Concussion Discussion, a special edition live broadcast featuring Javier Cardenas, director of Aeroneurological Institute's Concussion and Brain Injury Center and member of the NFL Head, Neck, and Spine Committee. Hosted by 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station's Dan Bickley and Ron Wolfley. Happy Wednesday evening to all you Valley sports fans and welcome to a very special presentation and a very important presentation for every parent, for every young athlete in Arizona, for everybody who will one day wonder, should I let my child play football, contact sports, and anything along that spectrum? We call it a concussion discussion. We could not be blessed with a better panel. To my right... I have the ubiquitous. That's a big word for he's everywhere. He is Ron Wolf, Lee, four-time Pro Bowler, co-host of Doug and Wolf in the Morning. Hey, Wolf. Man, so happy to be here and honored to be here as well, Danny. Outstanding. And we also have Dr. Javier Cardenas from the Barrow Neurological Institute, a man better known as the concussion doctor, a man who's left an amazing legacy of work already in the state, and he's only getting started. So let's start here. Uh, I've called this the age of enlightenment, a time when concussions are no longer disregarded, no longer considered a test of your toughness, no longer hidden under the blanket phrase, getting your bell rung. (laughs) Tell us, Dr. Cardenas, what we have learned and how far we've come in this subject. Well, we've definitely learned uh, quite a bit when it comes to concussion. In fact, I would argue that um, there are three distinct chapters uh, of concussion. Uh, The first is seeing our veterans come over from Iraq and Afghanistan and seeing that with better equipment, um, their lives were spared from their injuries. However, they were suffering from concussions and other brain injuries. And however, that was was not necessarily something that the general public could uh, associate with. And so then came sports. So now we see these concussions in sports. We see people getting knocked out on the field. Um, And then the third chapter that we're starting to write is actually the chapter having to do with domestic violence. Now, when it comes to sports, in terms of that enlightenment, uh, I would would, uh, answer that with a question. Uh, And and that is, um, do we really uh, know everything there is to, to know about concussion? And the answer is no. But are we learning from what we've uh, gained in the information we gained from concussion? And the answer is yes. And we're doing a lot about uh, this particular problem. Doc, what are we learning specifically about this, right? I mean, because there's so much we still don't know, correct, about CTE in specific. Absolutely. So, you know, back in the day when, when you played, back in the day when I played football, uh, I got a pat on the butt. Uh, and told to go right back oh, out there. Oh, right? yeah, Doc. No, really. You know what? Honestly, it was it was a measure of tough, uh, toughness for the most part. They would bring you over to the sideline. Hey, kid, here you go. Hey, come on, kid. <laughs> I'm talking 1985 here. You got this. How many fingers do I have up, right? And, and I'm not even trying to be funny. That That's exactly what they did. The universal sign for the guy got his bell rung. That's the way they treated it on the sideline when I came into the league in 1985. So we've come a long way. We have. We have. And in fact, what we've done is is the pendulum has swung a little bit back and forth. In fact, um, what we did a few years ago was we said, if you've suffered a concussion, you need to rest and rest almost indefinitely. And the problem was we were putting kids into dark rooms, say, you know, come out when you're better. And what we were seeing is we were seeing they were depressed. They were anxious. And so now 
what we've learned based on the research is that, yes, rest is important, but not for a very long time. Wow. And in fact, it's a short period of time now, followed by physical activity, because physical activity is a treatment for concussion, wow. Okay, still avoiding another injury. And then there are ways in which we can rehabilitate the brain after concussion. So those are really the three core areas that we've learned pre-injury, time of injury, and then post-injury. What are the things that we can do to help the people who've suffered these uh, concussions? Now, from sports teams to our sometimes wacky politicians, Arizona doesn't always have the greatest national reputation. But we have been innovators in the field of concussions, and you've been at the forefront of that. And as fate would have it, you two collaborated on the Brain Book, which is a remarkable tool. It's an online education course that all athletes sign up for, go through, and the like. Tell us about Arizona's role as innovators in concussion research. Indeed. Uh, you know, we, we get made fun of uh, for a lot of things, but and this may sound like a silly statement, but if you're going to have a concussion, Arizona is really the place to have a concussion because of all the things that we've done. Wow. And it starts... Uh, in, in 2010, where the Arizona Interscholastic Association, which of course is a governing body for all Arizona sports, approached the Arizona Cardinals about what they saw was an impending problem in high school athletics. And the Arizona Cardinals had a relationship with our institution, Barrow Neurological Institute, and they said, let's get together. Let's try to find an answer. Is it baseline testing? Is it money for uh, equipment, etc.? And as a former special education teacher, my response, of course, was going to be education. They said, fantastic. We'll buy you a van. You can go to all the schools and teach all these kids about concussion. I thought, well, you know, I still have a day job. <laughs> so we want to, we you know, innovate. Right. So what we created was the first concussion education tool designed for whom this matters most, and that is the athlete. And Ron Wolfley was was yes. a big part of that from from day one. When was that, Doc? That was 2010. It was correct? 2010 when we when we recorded those things. Yes. We launched it in 2011. Since that time, over 400,000 Arizona high school athletes have been educated about concussion. What's amazing about this, too? I, I don't mean to interrupt. Well, actually, I do, Doc. Sorry about that. <laughs> but let me jump in here and just say this. Danny, I, I get uh, 20, 21, 22, 23-year-olds coming up to me somewhere in there. Hey, hey, I had to watch this video on you, right? And they really didn't say it like that. They didn't sound like that. But you <laughs> but get my point, right? right? I mean, yes. every high school student, right? Absolutely. In Arizona had to watch it at some point in time. Now, what have you done with the Brain Book since? Well, now, now we have version 3.0, uh, which is really uh, interactive. So there are a few things that we've changed and learned. So the, the first point is to, to have really uh, fundamentals of education, meaning, it, it, yes, there are videos in it, but it's not just about watching a video and mm -hmm. sitting back and doing nothing. It's not just about flipping through slides like in a presentation. It is interacting. And now we have these newscasters, these sportscasters. So it looks like a, a sportscasting uh, presentation that are animated. Uh, you have to answer questions. And in fact, at the end of it, you have to pass a quiz by 80% or greater in order to complete it. And it is for every single athlete, not just football, not just soccer, whether it's swimming, golf, etc., in order to uh, participate in your sport. That is amazing. One of the things, and when we first got together, um, we had this 
this confluence of ideas, and that is we all know football is dangerous, so are a lot of sports. Yet football is very, very important to a lot of people. It teaches a lot of lessons. Wolf could speak for hours mm-hmm. on the virtues of football. In- indeed. And, and to that extent, how do these paths converge to keep an American institution like football alive and yet mitigate the dangers of concussions? Right. So, so then we took another step, right? So we have the education piece, but now we have to, have to think about policy. So Arizona was one of the first states in which we, had, we created what's called a helmet dislodgement rule. Okay, so the helmet dislodgement rule is if a high school athlete's helmet comes off during play, they have to go to the sideline to have it evaluated, and they miss a play, or they can call a timeout. Mm. Why did we do this? We saw that, that kids were, were posting these images of them running down the field without a helmet. They would have their chin straps hanging because it looked cool, just like skateboarders do without connecting the, right. uh, the buckle. And, and this was a real problem. So what we decided to do is decided to study it. And in fact, the Arizona Interscholastic Association risked losing its membership with the National Federation of High Schools in order to do this. And we presented the data, and it was adopted nationally. The other thing that we did is we looked at contact practices. We looked at practices in football, and we saw, gosh, while the rate of concussion is not the highest, it's highest in, in um, competition, the number of concussions that we're seeing in practice was incredibly high. So we limited contact practices in mm. football, once again, adopted nationally from Arizona's policy and recommendations. Boy, there are so many things that I want to say when I hear you say that, Doc, because it, it really is. It's one of the biggest paradigm shifts in the game of football is how you prepare a football player for a game. That is, listen, we can talk about the technology and the improvement in technology for the helmet. And, and I we think, will. And we will. We'll definitely do that. We could talk about changing the rules of the game and how you can use the head on the football field, right? And I'm all for that, and that's good. And we'll continue to talk about that. You can talk about at the NFL level, you can talk about getting PEDs out of the game because they have to do it. When you talk about HGH, if ever there was a a drug, when you're talking about a designer drug that was made for the game of football, it's, let's see, let me take something that allows my body to recover quicker in the game of football, right? Listen, the, the NFL has made great strides in all three of those areas, but the biggest change, the biggest paradigm shift in the game of football is how you prepare a player to play in a game. They used to brutalize you. Basically, it was, we're going to find out who's tough and, and who's, who's not, not tough. Who's That's not. what we're going to do. And that was all predicated on hitting and how much you hit and whether or not you stuck your face into the fire. It's um, not like that yeah. anymore. Dr. Cardenas is so integrated into this that Ron saw it. Wolf saw you on a football field, and you had to remind him that you and your colleagues, you monitor all of these sports on the field to be there in case concussions happen. Very quickly before we go to break, tell us about the reach and where you're at in that process. Absolutely. So. Uh, We do this for the NFL. We're a sideline neurological consultants for the NFL, but for both home and away teams at the uh, Cardinal Stadium. Uh, We also do this for ASU football, ASU women's soccer, ASU men's hockey, as well as the women's lacrosse team. Mm, And in fact, what we've designed for Arizona high school athletes 
is a way in which we can virtually be there using telemedicine for our athletic trainers throughout the state. Wow. Amazing stuff. All right, coming up on the other side, football of tomorrow is going to look a lot different than the sport Ron Wolfley played when he was tackling people in the vet in Philadelphia. (laughs) But concussions, they're not exclusive to football. You'll hear all about that. We are joined by Ron Wolfley, Dr. Javier Cardenas, the concussion doctor. I'm Dan Bickley. We're back right after this. The Concussion Discussion, hosted by Dan Bickley and Ron Wolfley, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Welcome back, everybody. Very special, very important presentation. We call it a concussion discussion. Dr. Javier Cardenas, the concussion doctor from the Barrow Neurological Institute, and, of course, the one, the only, Ron Wolfley. Uh, We've got a lot of ground to cover tonight. You're going to hear some results of a Barrow Neurological Institute survey. Some of the numbers, some of the figures are... Um, just they're amazing, and they're going to help frame where we're going with this discussion, where we're going with this issue. But let's talk about the football of tomorrow versus the football of yesteryear. Wolf is mm. the football of yesteryear. Mm-hmm. Before we came on air, you talk about that first time you put on that bike helmet. Oh, my goodness. And you felt like a gladiator. It's so interesting. 1986, as a matter of fact, the polycarbonate helmet came out. And the polycarbonate helmet, Doc, was so heavy. It was the bike helmet, right? And you would put that thing on. And I'm telling you right now, it was heavy. And you felt like (laughs) invincible, right? And what happened was a lot of guys, like myself, would take that thing and stick it right on the chin, of the other guy. Well, you're basically going helmet to helmet for the most, uh, for the most part when you're taking your crown and you're sticking it right on the other guy's chin. And what happened was coaches went nuts. <laughs> they were like, look at this kid. This kid is not afraid. Fear is, is a commodity in the NFL. Fear is a commodity in the game of football. It is a huge advantage if, in fact, you have a modicum of courage. And you can apply that courage and mitigate the fear, which allows you then to go out and stick your helmet right on another guy's face at full speed. Coaches saw this, and they went nuts. They came up with sayings like, this dog will hunt. Or look at this kid sticking his face into the fire or his face into the fan, right? And suddenly they started coaching that. And... I think, obviously, they did it, and here we are. That's a good way to say it. And here we are, and obviously we've seen the rise of CTE in football. We've heard horrible stories of former players who have have lived nightmare lives at the end of their lives. Um, But one of the first conversations you guys had was to rectify um, your stance on football. And your son played or plays football with one stipulation. Your wife made sure you were at every practice, (laughs) just like you're at every NFL game, right? (laughs) Exactly. So so tell us about that and tell us where this is all going. Yeah, so I'll be honest. You know, it wasn't an easy decision when it came to my son playing football. Uh, he, He played flag football. He loved it. He was great at it. He's fast. The issue was, as he got older... There were fewer and fewer teams because a lot of the kids were moving on to tackle or moving Mm -hmm. on to um, to a different age. We had always discussed that this was going to be something that he would consider in high school, but that time came early. So my wife, my family had this discussion about what are we going to do? We wanted to find somebody who was going to coach him and was going to be safe. And so a big shout out to Mo Streety um, because he, Coach Mo, uh, Coach Mo, 
uh, who also does outreach uh, for the Cardinals, yes. um, is all about safety. So he and I had been lecturing for a number of years um, uh, to uh, athletes about concussion, about heat illness, about safety in general. And a couple things about him. One is that he actually doesn't do uh, kickoffs or punt returns, in part because those are very high injury uh, rates, and not just for head injury, but for other orthopedic injuries. The other, if he sees a mismatch, um, then the whistle gets blown early. You've got a big guy and a little guy, and they're coming at each other. You know what's going to happen. It isn't going to let it go south. And then the last thing was he actually had my son in a helmet and pads for a good six months to a year just to learn how to play before he even put a hit on somebody. Interesting. You have to know how to move around in that kind of equipment, how to tilt your head, how to catch a ball, how to throw a ball in that equipment before you actually hit on somebody. So, yes, indeed, my son played tackle football. Uh, he currently is not playing, but that was uh, a choice of his. Right. Now, one of the interesting discussions we had pre-show was where helmet technology is going in football because mm. clearly this is a, it's, it's a very wealthy operation and they're very incentivized to try to mitigate some of the damages and injuries and risks you mentioned we're going to get to a time where helmets are going to become position specific that's amazing absolutely so we are in an evolutionary phase of helmet design so as you heard going from the leather helmet to the to the plastic helmet or Mm -hmm. to a polycarbonate helmet big shift in that paradigm now you have to think that Primarily, the role of a current helmet is to prevent a skull fracture or a bleed within the skull, a bleed in the brain. Okay, that's their primary purpose. The challenge also is that it has to withstand multiple hits, not like a bike helmet where you get have one crash and then you got to toss it away and then you get another crash, you got to toss it away, etc. What we are seeing is that we are seeing the, hel- the technology that goes into the design of the helmet, that goes into the materials of the helmet, is phenomenal. And we're also seeing a match between what we see on the field at the NFL level and what we're doing in the laboratory. Now, what we are most likely to see is we're going to see, indeed, some position-specific helmets in which you may find that a lineman has an overbuilt front of their helmet because they're hitting constantly with the, with the front of their head versus a quarterback who is most likely to sustain a concussion from falling back and hit, hitting his head on the mm-hmm. ground versus a wide receiver that needs a very light helmet but also can take some impacts that might come from the side versus a defender, etc. And that, I think, is probably going to be the future. In the meantime, this is a great time for technology, and it's a great time for helmet design. Yeah, and you said quarterbacks might be getting a uh, helmet where the where the more of the bulk of it's in the back, so their head do- doesn't bang off the turf. Where offensive linemen might be more in the frontal section because there's a lot of headbutting going on there. That's that's evolution. Yeah, Indeed. not only that too. I I have seen some of this stuff, Doc, that they're putting into helmets now. I have seen some of this stuff where it's probably, I want to say, a half an inch thick, and I've seen a man take it, stick his hand on it, fold it over his hand, take out a hammer, and start banging the hammer on his hand with no damage done to his his hand whatsoever. I'm talking about wailing on it, right? That kind of technology is going into helmets now, correct? It is. It is. And that's what we're seeing. Not only are we seeing that kind of technology to, to take these massive hits, but also to disperse those energy forces around Mm. the head instead of directed towards the head. And you see these uh, designs in which there's a slight shift to reduce the chances of rotational forces 
to the brain and to the head, which we know are a big part of generating a concussion. How much of this is due to the woodpecker whatsoever, right? I mean, brrr, you know, the thing going in and nothing yeah. ever happens to, to a the woodpecker. woodpecker. Why is, is right. that, Doc? Maybe that's for another show. It might be for another show. <laughs> What's interesting right. is there was a recent study that showed that there were some changes to woodpeckers' brains after all. After <laughs> all. So, anyway, it's one of those things that becomes an urban myth uh, and, right. and, and fallacy in terms right. of... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah. Design. No, but one of the things is when when all of this be, became a front burner issue, a lot of football coaches are like, "Why are you targeting us?" The truth of the matter is, concussions are not exclusive to football. Mm. Who gets them? Who needs to be more um, in tune with this than others? So, to be clear, indeed, a football is number one when it comes to concussions, and and truth uh, be told, it's also for uh, other orthopedic injuries. It is a high injury sport because it is a collision sport. Now, when we look at a number two, we're talking about soccer. Soccer is a contact sport. It's a very high contact sport. And we also know that we see this more in the girls' versions of the sports than the boys' versions. So, for example, girls' soccer over boys' soccer. Girls' basketball over boys' basketball. Girls' softball over boys' baseball. We see more concussions in girls' sports than we do in Why boys. Why is that, Doc? I mean, why... Do you have any theory as to why that is? So there are a couple of reasons. Um, uh, one of them has to do with neck strength. We see that overall neck strength in males is, is higher and, okay. and the muscular girth, which we know protects the head. The other is there are um, uh, higher rates of things like migraines and headaches uh, in girls, especially adolescents than boys, which can be uh, a factor when uh, contributing to uh, the outcomes of a concussion or a head injury. Uh, and so some of those, those are, are just part of it. The other thing is, is we see in some cases that uh, these women and girls are reporting more they're more open they about know. these injuries and so and so the machismo right oh, yeah, that we yes. all experience or that we all seen uh, is less of a factor now i don't want to what just paint a, a black and white picture Indeed. it's not a black and white picture but we do see more reporting in uh, in some of the women's sports all right we know participation rates in high school football are going down some states more than others why is that the barrow neurological institute did a survey some of the results are unbelievable we're going to share those with you next we are joined by dr Javier Cardenas, the concussion doctor, Ron Wolfley. I'm Dan Bickley. You're listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. This is a 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station special. The concussion discussion featuring Dr. Javier Cardenas from Barrow Neurological Institute. Hosted by Dan Bickley and Ron Wolfley. Welcome back to what should be required listening for all young athletes, all older athletes, all parents who need to recognize what concussions are, what they look like, what to do about them, how to treat them. A lot of parents, as we have known, as we have seen, have reacted out of fear. No, my son is not going to play football. Maybe flag football, not contact football, not tackle football. Well, the Barrow Neurological Institute has conducted a survey. I've heard the results uh, they speak a lot. So let me give the floor to Dr. Javier Cardenas, the concussion doctor, uh, a leading expert in this entire field, and tell us what you found. So we've been conducting a survey, basically getting a pulse on Arizona about concussion and their thoughts about concussion for the last several years. Sometimes we'll uh, interview parents only. Sometimes we'll interview uh, athletes only. This year we did both. And what we had initially seen when concussion concerns had come out was parents were not letting their kids play sports whatsoever. 
we've seen somewhat of a uh, sophistication in their responses, and they uh, have greater concerns about the high rates of concussion, specifically in sports like football and soccer. And indeed, this year is no different. And in fact, it's more dramatic than in the past. The most dramatic, in fact, is that when it comes to parents allowing their kids to play uh, football, we saw that in 2016, um, uh, 67 uh, percent said yes, they can. They could play football. This year, 59 percent, a significant drop. We're also seeing a drop in boys themselves. A quarter of them said they did not want to play football because of fears of a concussion. Mm. But it's not just just football. We are seeing a greater concern about concussions in um, in, in soccer. We see more girls being concerned about their participation in soccer. And in fact, we are also seeing that uh, four out of five would uh, tell their coach, but they would not tell their parent. And so there are multiple issues uh, with respect to concussion, whether Mm. it's the injury themselves playing and then who they report. That's That's startling right there when you hear that. But you know, I was talking to you before we actually came on the air, and I was talking about the fact that I think there was going to be an uptick as a matter of fact, when all of this data comes back in regard to the safety and the issues that the game of football, I think in particular, the steps that the NFL is taking by way of example right now that I think will matriculate down all the way, of course, even to youth football, just the fact that they are changing the rules of the game and taking the head out of the equation. And now they're coaching it at the youth level. As well, I think that is going to have a dramatic impact. That and the technology of the helmet, of course, and the fact that they just do not prepare a player the way that they used to. I came into the league in 1985, Doc. I was talking to Adam Archuleta, as a matter of fact, who came into the league in 2001, and they brutalized you when you came into the NFL. They they said, listen, we're going to go two-a-days, and it's going to be three weeks of two-a-days, and you're going to get hammered, and we're going to find out who's tough. They don't do that anymore. And because of that, I think all of these steps that are being taken right now, at some point, aren't we going to see the return on that and an uptick maybe in the fact that it is a lot safer than it was? So we might. Uh, And in fact, this year, nationally, the National Federation released their numbers and they saw a decline uh, in, in football participation. However, it still remains the number one sport with over a million high school athletes participating out of approximately eight or near eight million uh, total athletes. Mm. So, you know, kind of looking at it from that perspective, indeed. And in fact, we have uh, some data showing that when we decreased the number of contact practices at the high school level, we saw uh, a decreased rate of concussion. Exactly. And moreover, we got a lot of resistance from coaches because the concern was, well, if you're not practicing tackling in uh, practice, mm-hmm. then you're going to have more concussions in a game. Yeah. Not true. We did the studies. We found that the concussion rates in games did not change whatsoever, wow. did not increase the amount of concussion. So, yes, you can get quality practices, quality tackling, and minimize the amount of contact. Question for you about this. We've talked about educating athletes, which the Brain Book has been invaluable in sort of introducing this to athletes. The um, the better equipment, the investment in better helmets. How about in instruction for the men who lead the men playing, the young kids, the men playing football? Wolf knows this. We've all seen it. Um, very 
oftentimes, for the lack of a better word, they might be ruthless, savage, trying to create the toughest team football player you, you can. How imperative is it that coaches and leaders also know the best approach to teaching and coaching football? It is paramount that coaches understand this. Uh, and in fact, in the state of Arizona, uh, coaches are required to undergo education regarding concussion. And what's, what we've actually found uh, is that historically we tried to take coaches out of the equation in terms of uh, making a decision about concussion. However, they still have a significant influence on the athletes. So what we ask coaches is we ask them to acknowledge that their health is the most important uh, issue and that mm. let them have time to recover and, and validate what they're experiencing and encourage them to report these injuries so that they don't have repeat injuries or future injuries. Same is true for officials. Officials obviously get, nobody likes an official, right? If you're going out there, but believe (laughs) it or not, if there's an opportunity to thank an official for throwing a flag when it has to do with safety, other things you might, you know, criticize them for. (laughs) But when it comes to safety, safety, encourage them Mm. to make those decisions. Now the NFL over the course of time, and I know this is a sensitive subject with Wolf, but they've been they've been criticized heavily for not treating this epidemic, whatever you want to call it, with the severity it commands. That clearly has changed now. And your presence on NFL sidelines would be a testament to that. Yet there are occasionally instances where football players will be wobbly, it'll appear that they're concussed, and boom, they're still on the field. They don't get off the field. Maybe the protocol is breached. Speak to that. Speak to the process now in the NFL as it relates to not only treating professional athletes, but setting the right example for those who aspire to be professional athletes. Well, so just just as uh, when, you know, when we started uh, this program, uh, we talked about the evolution. And, and indeed, there's even been an evolution in what's happened on the sidelines. So when I first started doing uh, sideline neurological consultants, I think people were just happy that we were there. Shortly thereafter... Uh, we would see these individuals, these athletes who sustain a concussion or what looked like a concussion, and they would not get evaluated. And now we are looking at how critically we are evaluating the athlete, whether it's just in the tent or in the locker room. And all those things are fair. I will tell you this. If I see an athlete who looks like they may have suffered an injury, all I'm asking for is an evaluation, mm. right? So you can't know, you can't diagnose, you can't be the armchair neurologist and diagnose a concussion from the TV, But you can say, I think that guy needs to be evaluated and do so. Now, indeed, that's the message that we want to get to our athletes. In the Super Bowl uh, in Arizona 2015, I removed an athlete from play, from the Super Bowl. Did you really? Absolutely. What is the lesson that I tell the parents who come to me and they say, this is a rivalry match, this is a state Mm -hmm. championship, the biggest game in the world, and we are removing athletes. And I'll tell you what, that athlete who will remain nameless right now after that season, thanked us because he now, in retrospect, understood how important that was to his health and to his brain. But he might not have been thanking you in real time, is what you're telling me. (laughs) So in in real time, he was very confused. But I'll also tell you that people are so focused on the game and all the energy that's going on in that. But you can imagine his wife, who actually came down to the locker room, right, and the talk that we had to have, have, it was not so much about, oh, my gosh, this is a Super Bowl and who's Mm going to win, uh, et cetera. But it was really about how is my loved one. And keep in mind that these are the son. These are the sons of somebody. These are many many times are the fathers, the siblings. And so when you think about it in that context, all those lights, all that glitz, glamour, all that noise 
goes away and you just focus on the health yeah. of that particular athlete. Yeah. That's, so much of yeah. this is it really is not it, it you keep saying evolution, but it almost sounds like to me like revolution. It it sounds like it is a still point moment in the game of football in particular, I would say, all the changes that have been made, not only on the sideline, of course, but also all the things we've been talking about the entire show with technology, of course, and just changing the rules. It sounds like a revolution as opposed to evolution. Absolutely. And, and that's the intention. Culture change is really hard. Oh, yeah. I grew up in Arizona playing football, and I was a sissy for getting water. People died when, when people didn't get water. And so now... Water is encouraged. So we're seeing this culture shift in concussion. Mm -hmm. We're seeing not only do we need to emphasize the importance of of being healthy, but how important your brain is to to your productivity. You asked earlier, how is brain book now different than it was before? We used to focus on the dangers of concussions, the horrors of concussions, and what, you know, what could happen if you go out. Now we've shifted our message to really emphasize how important your brain health is to performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you go back out, and if you're concussed, you might make a mistake that could cost your team. You might make a mistake that could cost your fellow uh, athlete. Don't do that. Let's make sure that you are the best athlete that you can be. Be responsible. Be responsible. He is Dr. Javier Cardenas. I'm joined by Ron Wolfley. I'm Dan Bickley. We have one segment left. When we get back, how do you prevent concussions? Can you prevent them? And what to do if you or your child suffers one? And finally, where is Arizona going to go in the continued innovation on this very, very important subject? You're listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Concussion Discussion, hosted by Dan Bickler and Ron Wolfley, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. This has been an amazing three quarters of an hour. Dr. Javier Cardenas, one of the leading, leading men in this field of concussion research and where it's going. It's been enlightening. It's been a pleasure to just talk about this stuff. And he's right here in the basement. And and he's right here. I love what he said about Arizona for all that people like to rip us for. It's one of the best places to suffer a concussion. <laughs> that yeah. kind of sounds right. weird. Right Doesn't now it really? It, but so we do- get it. Yeah, we get it. So, Dr. Cardenas, uh, can, can there be prevention for concussions? What to do if your child or you as an athlete think you've suffered one? Cover that range of information for us. Absolutely. So, so first off, uh, there are studies that show you the health that you have prior to the concussion is one of the biggest predictors for how you do afterwards. So, wow. for example, healthy eating, healthy sleeping, uh, uh, also risk factors, history of migraine, anxiety, those kinds of things can be risk factors for a prolonged uh, recovery after concussion. If there is one thing for the parents out there that are listening there's one thing that is most beneficial for keeping your kids safe is actually having an athletic trainer for your kids team. The reason is they are the boots on the ground. They are the healthcare provider that keeps them safe, uh, preventing injury, but also in the event of an injury, including a concussion, uh, what to do. They also uh, are trained in things like sudden cardiac arrest mm. and heat-related re- illness in emergency action planning and neck injury. So that is the key piece. Second, Looking at signs and symptoms. So signs. The signs are what you feel as a, 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 or what you see as a parent or as a coach in the athlete. So do they have a dazed look? Do they uh, uh, appear uh, off balance? Um, are they squinting their eyes? Do they appear not to focus? And then, of course, the symptoms. So this is for the athlete. When you're an athlete and you don't feel right after you've hit your head, 
when you start to have headaches, when you have blurry vision, when you feel more emotional after a head impact, those can actually be signs of a concussion. Mm, And that's where we start in terms of prevention. Where do you see all of this going? What is the next big thing in the study of concussions, Doc? What exactly is it? Is Is there new technology out there that is going to be implemented soon? What is next on the horizon? So next on the horizon that we see as some of the big things are actually treatments. Okay, so we've, I know that there's been a lot of things focused on things like helmet technology. Yes. We've seen things focused on biomarkers. Biomarkers, some of the research has shown it's helpful, not helpful. The truth of the matter is there's nothing that's foolproof. But when it comes to treatment of a concussion, once again, we used to be in a, a dark ages, literally, of rest, oh, yeah. rest, rest. Now we're at a time where we can rehabilitate the brain, and we can rehabilitate it quickly. So, for example, looking at those balance uh, problems that occur with concussion, eye movement disorders, those things can be treated by physical vestibular as well as uh, occupational therapies. Looking at uh, the cognitive changes that happen after concussion, those can also be rehabilitated. Hmm. And the other thing is there's not an end time in which that rehabilitation can occur, meaning Yes, early on is best, but if you've been many years from your injury, there's still an opportunity to get the get some of those uh, gains back. We talked about this before, too. There seems to be a genetic link that allows some people to recover faster from concussions and some people who just can't get out of the fog, for lack of a better term. How true is that? Uh, very true. So the mantra is when you've seen one brain injury, you've seen one brain injury. <laughs> That's right. Uh, everybody, everybody heals differently. So there are some predictors. The number one predictor is at the time of the injury, the number of symptoms, the severity of the symptoms tends to be the biggest predictor for outcome. We used to think that loss of consciousness meant that they were going to have, they had a worse injury. Mm-hmm. And indeed, at the time, we were worried about loss of consciousness being a result of something like blood. So yep. by all means, go to the ER if that happens. However, it is not a predictor of recovery. Some mm. other issues include having some sub- significant balance problems at the time of the injury, as well as some of those risk factors for prolonged recovery, including things like migraine, anxiety, mm-hmm. depression, or learning problems. When you've seen one concussion, you've seen one concussion. I like that. Now, as a man who's devoted his life to this very noble cause, what what piques your interest? What do you see as new frontiers for research? Where can we go with this to maximize this age of enlightenment? So um, there, there are a number of ways uh, that we can go. Indeed, uh, the prevention route. So making sure that uh, all, of our, all of our youth, uh, all of our college athletes, all of our professionals are in a position so that uh, if indeed they have a concussion, they have that opportunity to recover. The second, of course, is uh, the material science that's coming out. I think that's in- incredible. As you mentioned, uh, Wolf, that's uh, revolutionary mm-hmm. indeed. Uh, and then the last, of course, is, uh, is uh, the long-term effects. We're seeing more and more concerns about those long-term effects, specifically CTE. Can CTE be uh, prevented? Can it be uh, treated? Can we uh, predict who is actually going to have CTE? And those are the things that are, are really on the frontier. You know, ultimately, your son, you mentioned your son and the fact that he did play football. Do you think if he walked up to you tomorrow and said, I want to play football, what would you say? I would say yes. Yes. Uh, he's right now at, a, at an art school, so it'd be pretty challenging to find that. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> to, to well, what about exactly. you, Wolf? Exactly. What, what about Vetter? If he, yeah, no doubt. 
No doubt about it. Uh, I've asked myself that question many, many times, and I would let him play without hesitation or delay based on all of the information that we now have, based on the work, as a matter of fact, that Dr. Cardenas is doing right now, based on all the new information that we have out there, the technology that we've already talked about is improving. They're changing the game once again, the rules of the game. But more than anything else, by far and away, it's the coaches that are coaching these kids now. No longer is it about, we're going to find out who's a tough guy here and who's not a tough guy. Yeah. Okay, it's that that mentality, which I loved. Of course you do. Of course. <laughs> I'm just going to it's tell why you, you right were a now, four-time pro bowler. It's, it's, it's honestly the mentality that I loved. I realize that that is the dark ages. In the game of football, it is in because of that, because of all these steps that they're taking to make it safer without delay or hesitation. If my son wanted to play the game of football, I would let him play because I believe football players largely are born. Mm. Dr. Cardenas, for young athletes who might be listening, what would you advise them to do? Say if they haven't gone and experienced the Brain Book, an online education course, if, you, if there's a parent who wants to know more about this, where would you direct them? What would you like to say to everybody in closing? Absolutely. So uh, Barrow Brain Book, of course, is available uh, on the AI website. We're also working on a new version of Barrow Brain Ball, which is a video game uh, focused on wow. younger kids uh, about concussion education. Uh, and I would say this, when it comes to... Uh, the safety of any sport, um, whether it's football, whether it's soccer, um, we will do our best to make it safer. And if you as a parent come up to me and say, hey, it's not safe enough for my child to play, that's okay. I'm not going to try and talk you into mm. it, but I will try to make it safer. And we have a great team of thoughtful people uh, in the state of Arizona that are brilliant, that are working on this problem together. It's not just me, it's everybody. Um, but at the end of the day, it will be a safer sport for everyone. Doc, we only got about 30 seconds here for the most part, but what kind of support are you receiving statewide from government, if any? Another great thing about Arizona is collaboration. So it's not just my institutions, it's multiple hospital institutions in the state. Mm. It's not just uh, the Cardinals, it is uh, the Diamondbacks, it is the Suns, it is the Coyotes. All these entities have a vested interest in the health of our community. And that's something to be grateful for. That's very, very well said. Dr. Cardenas, thank you so much for your time, for all the great work you've done. The Valley is a better place because of you. Thank you again for your time tonight. Thank you for having me. On thank behalf you, of Dr. Javier Cardenas, the concussion doctor at Barrow Neurological Institute, on behalf of the ubiquitous Ron Wolfley, once again, that big word meaning he's everywhere. I am Dan Bickley. If you want more on this, what's the website again? Barrowneuro.org. 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 Thank you for joining us for this very special presentation. You've been listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.